Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Morning, everybody. Happy first day of the school holidays. And welcome to the News Agenda with me, Fleet Street Fox. And today I'm joined by my uh, fellow, I don't know if you are a mirror columnist, I'm my fellow mirror columnist and uh, associate editor, Bracket Showbiz, I think, whatever it might be, uh, Jessica Bolton. Morning, Jess. Morning, Susie. Lovely to see you this morning. Someone's perky, isn't she? Now, this is the People's Pay-Per-View, so get into the comments, ask us your questions. We'll do our best to answer them for you. Those of you listening later on podcast, just going to have to turn on Netflix and hope the children stay quiet. So what have we got for you today? Well, the Mirror has splashed on an investigation which has found that Home Secretary Suella Bravman has been getting us to pay the energy bills at her family home in a fresh new MP's expenses scandal. More on that a bit later. But first, I want to go to page eight of today's paper. And there's news that 15,000 children's operations have been axed over the past year. Now, Jessica, it says here that one poor child's been waiting three years for surgery on their ears. Now, that may be fairly minor, non-life-threatening art, but if it's serious enough to need surgery, it must be affecting their daily lives. For that constantly being cancelled must be no good for that child and their family. But this isn't all a result of the recent wave of strikes, is it? This is other issues that are causing some of this. It is. Um, And a lot of it goes back to the sort of they're blaming the government funding. This has come from a Lib Dem uh, freedom of information request to find out about the delays here. Um, And a lot of it they're saying is to do with the past 13 years now of Tory cuts um, to the NHS um, and the ongoing uh, problems there. Uh, that case you mentioned, it, it was a yeah, a poor kid. It is one thousand days on the waiting list for an ear operation. Now, when you're a child, that's three years of school where you're there, you know, with something wrong with you, waiting. The parents are anxious about it. I mean, in that case, you'd hope that it's not affecting their daily lives so much that, you know, it's, it's so detrimental that, that, that it's affected a big chunk of their childhood. Um, but there's kids on this list waiting for all sorts of things. And, I mean, it's a shocking indictment, really, isn't it? It is, rather. I mean, it might be something fairly minor, like having your ears pinned back. But the reason you might need your ears pinned back is because you're getting bullied. Mm. And, you know, there could be something else that's slightly wrong with the look of the ear or how it's functioning. And it doesn't, it's not going to, not going to kill you, but it really does need fixing sooner rather than later. Uh, what do you think, everybody? Do you think um, that, you know, that these delays are all part of perhaps the Tory fund underfunding? Do you think that there's something to do with the pandemic involved here? Or perhaps the strikes aren't helping it? Let us know. Now, these figures, like you said, Jess, were gathered by the Liberal Democrats, obviously, in an effort to prove the Tories can't look after us. But some of the figures in it are really illuminating. So while there's 2,894 operations that were cancelled due to a lack of staff, 
and staff shortages have been in the NHS since long before the strikes. In fact, they're one of the reasons for the strikes. Mm. 4,000 were cancelled due to a lack of beds. And again, it's, that's also a lack of staff because you need so many nurses per bed to actually operate them. But 1,100 were cancelled because theatres were overbooked and 446 for a problem with the equipment. Now, you know, we all know there's long waiting lists, don't we? Post-pandemic, mm. a lot of us have sort of, I suppose, steeled ourselves a bit for there, there being a bit of a delay while the energy mm. is backlog. But if there's no bed, no, the equipment's faulty, too many people are on the list, not enough staff, what can the NHS reasonably do about it? They can't, they can't ever hope to clear the backlog if this is the stuff they're working with. It's going to get worse and worse. Uh, I think there was a story last week about uh, how a lot of the equipment um, that's being used is 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 from the eighties and nineties. Mm. Uh, certain certain types of uh, uh, scanners. It was scanners, MRIs, CAT scans, mm. and X rays, mm. things like that. They're very old bits of I mean, kit. It is okay if the technology still works. One would think that the technology has moved on. Um, it, it, there's an enormous amount of money that goes into the NHS, but it's not enough and it's not going to the right places. I mean, currently there's 133,000 vacancies. Um, I'm sure everyone watching is aware of maybe their doctor's surgery or down local hospital where they just can't fill the jobs. Now that's a big point that we've got to raise because it's, you, you can keep giving money, but if we can't get anyone to work there because no one wants to, wants to do it or they can't afford to do it because of the pay, you know, it, how are we going to fix this problem? That's got to be addressed. Why can't we fill these vacancies? Well, what do you think, everybody? How do we persuade people to go and work in the NHS when we all know we all use it and we all know that it's pretty high stress and it's it's mm. really sort of being run a bit on a shoestring. Um, you don't get all the kit and equipment you need. You don't get the support from your bosses. Mistakes can get made. You get sued to hell if that's the case. Um, and, of course, you have to pay for your own training and so on to get in there in the first place because a lot of the bursaries have been cancelled. So the nursing bursary got dropped, that kind of thing, which means you're paying your own student tuition fees. And it should be, really, Jess, you're right, it should be that Working in the NHS is the most prestigious job in the UK. And I mean prestige. You know, whether you are a receptionist, whether you are a porter, whether you are a consultant, you should be getting paid pretty well, I'd have thought, compared to other places where you could be working. Mm. And you should be proud of where you're working and, and what you're doing in that job. And it should be something where other people go, do you know what? Props to you and we do do that to some extent in a lot of places and you know during the pandemic nhs and even afterwards nhs staff get discounts in places and things like that a lot of the ways that the armed forces do but hmm. it, there should just be a cachet a prestige um you don't have to pay them all a million pounds a year but there, there should be a reason that people want to work in the nhs that they feel it's not just a vocation they want to help but actually that they feel that they would be doing something um which the nation honors rather than kind of complains about i suppose 
and I mean, obviously, the main the main thing here is being valued um, for what they do. People that are going, no one wants to go out on strike. The people that are going out on strike are doing it out of desperation for wanting to be listened to about the various different issues. And as you've addressed, I mean, it's about staff shortages. It's about equipment. It's about the targets they're having to meet. Everything's having to be done on less and less money. And it's not going to work. Someone needs to sit up and go, we've got to stop this now before we ruin what is, you know, should be, like you say, a prestigious thing for our country. Exactly. Something's got to be done about it, hasn't we? Now, we've got a bit of breaking news for you that's just come in. Teachers, we know that um, junior doctors are having four days of strikes next week uh, from Easter Sunday onwards. But now teachers have overwhelmingly voted to reject the government's latest pay offer, which means there will be fresh strike action in schools as well. So it's members of the National Education Union, which I think is one of the biggest ones, has voted by 98 percent. I mean, it was obviously placed there, Cindy, wasn't it? Yeah, um, the two percent that held out. I mean, crikey. No, I actually will fall for this one. No, so the 98% have voted to dismiss the latest wage offer from the government because they've branded it insulting. Um, so it looks like the government is going to have to go back to the table with them. And there's probably going to be strikes in any event called over that. So there's going to be not only these children not getting their um, operations, Jess, but also not necessarily getting all the schooling they should be getting either. It's it's like everything is is slowly falling apart here since the pandemic. A lot of countries have have thrived economy in their economy since the pandemic. We haven't, as you know from previous stories. Um, it's just it seems like every single part of the public sector is really really struggling at the moment, and 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 rightly people seem to have had enough. Mm. Um, and teachers aren't again. Teachers aren't doing this lightly. They're doing it because they they feel they've last resort to be heard so that they get fair pay in a time when our inflation is going through the roof yeah. and we know why that's happening. So all these things tie in together and it, at some point someone's got to say, do you know what, we're going to have to take a deep hit now, make sure everybody you know is paid fairly and that we're putting resources into things. Because otherwise we're going to be running, paying a lot of money uh, for things that aren't actually functioning very well. And they end up the money going on agency staff and so on, exactly. which is far more and than it needs. We're good money after bad. If it's time to put a bit more money into it now and make it work properly. Mm. Now, Mike says, how does this government constantly say they speak for the people when all the evidence points in the opposite direction? Uh, very good. Point, Mike and nice segue into the main story that we're going to discuss mm. now which is now Jess I know that your sphere of expertise is showbiz but bear with us it's safe to say the lady on the front page today is probably the one of the most recognized and famous people in the country mm. Mm. Now, home secretary Suella Braverman known as Cruella to her friends uh, when the expenses scan MP expenses scandal broke in 2009 she wasn't even in parliament in fact she didn't get elected mm. until 2015 right another six years so perhaps you know she didn't realize quite how this was gonna look because she wasn't there at the time when it all got very sticky indeed speaking from your showbiz perspective Jess before we go into the detail of this story this is basically a very high profile person 
getting the taxpayer to fund their energy bill in the middle of an energy crisis. It's just not a good look, is it? It is not a good look at all. I mean, PR 101 uh, is everyone can see that it's an absolute failure um, on her part. Um, it, it goes to say, it's not illegal. What she's doing is just going against the spirit of the law. Hmm. Um, I mean, if is it fair that she is funding her London home energy bills by the taxpayer as her second home, which is what they believe that she is doing, uh, in the middle of an energy crisis where most of us are thinking, can I put the heating on? Is Should I just put it on for 20 minutes or should I just go and wrap myself in the duvet? And yet the Home Secretary is getting us to pay to heat her £1.2 million pound home. Um, yeah. and the, the incendiary sort of feelings that that sort of sums up kind of sums up where we all are with the current sort of the government here and and, and what's been happening in, in recent years with the, the sort of, you know, we, we've had Partygate, we've had uh, all, all these, uh, you know, we've had all the cuts, we've had the stuff with Matt Hancock, it turned out or what they were, what they were doing was unlawful. It's, it, it's just, it, it, you think it's reached a peak of uh, sort of, hypocrisy or or uh, is 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 the sheer brass neck cheek of it which really is galling and just as you think it's got as bad as it can be something else happens and then this comes up yeah uh, you know maybe it's maybe it's because she wasn't there when it all went horribly wrong and just doesn't quite see how this looks i mean what do you think everybody get into the comments ask us your questions do you think it's perfectly right that we should be paying suella bravman's energy bills on her marital home right so the story is we're going to dive into the detail now so we all understand exactly how this is working so the detail is that miss bravman has done what many mps did in 2009 which is flip her designated second home several times in order to keep claiming money right there's, there's a flipping going on here we all know what that was uh, if if you're if you're older than about thirty, you can remember. So now the rules allow for the running costs uh, to be claimed for a second home in your constituency or one in London if your main home's in the constituency. You just need to designate which one's your second home. And then of course, if you're aware of the MP's expenses scandal, you stick to that designation. You don't flip it and change it all the time. But when she first entered Parliament. Suella claimed for a property in Hampshire, in Fareham, where she is, uh, where she was elected. But a bit later, it turns out that her parents bought a home in the same area. And Suella now lives there rent free. So she has a rent free second home in her constituency. And that has been confirmed. So after that happened, she then switched her designation for the second home to be the marital home, which is in Hertfordshire, more than 100 miles away, um, where she lives with her husband and her two young children. Um, and that is definitely the family home. There is no question about it. And she is claiming for the energy bills on that second home. Um, now, she could, if you're being reasonable, Jess, what she could have done is perhaps claim for the energy bills on the home in Hampshire, which her parents bought, because that's within the rules. You're allowed to claim the energy costs, right? She's she's incurring those costs because she's the local constituency MP. That's probably reasonable. 
to, to claim those costs, but she's not. She's claiming the energy costs. She flipped the designation and she's claiming for the marital home in Hertfordshire. In the past five years, she's claimed five grand a year, a total of 25 grand from flipping her properties in this way. Now, as you said, Jess, this is technically within the rules, just about, but it, it stinks, doesn't it? It really, it really does. I mean, she's she's been talking about cracking down on the so-called benefits culture that she keeps going on about, which, I mean, it's a bit rich, isn't it, uh, when she's doing something like this. <laughs> I guess she can afford to be a bit rich when you're claiming 25000 in five years. Uh, it, it's just, like I said before, people are out there literally watching uh, every bit of energy they use at the moment, mm. rethinking about whether they can put the heating on, thinking about whether they can put a light on, you know, doing all these sort of silly little things just to save a little bit of money. I mean, I, I must be not alone in watching the smart meter when you're like boiling the kettle to see how much money that puts on. And we're all aware that this is actually going to cost us it's so expensive now that these things do make a big difference yeah. what time you put the washing machine on makes a big difference exactly i've been telling my dad off for about a year for reboiling the kettle he boils it and then wanders off and then comes back and boils it again to make a cup of tea i'm like no, no, no just boil it once exactly once is absolutely sufficient it's like a penny oh. every time over the course of a year it's cost me Three pounds. <laughs> all of these things we're thinking about because it is so expensive now. And and so to have somebody do this in this time when one of the main cabinet ministers uh, is just like a slap in the face. It's again, it's very similar to Partygate. It's kind of one rule for, for you know, us, one rule for them. You know, we're all suffering. We're all watching the pennies. They're sitting there claiming the money on their marital home because of a loophole uh, it's it's just it just makes you it makes you so cross in the general public because you know we can't do much about it apart from call attention to it but you know how many of other people in government are doing this, you know these sorts of things wow. it's just against the spirit of the law but they don't seem to care no. And that's what hurts. Yeah, and this is also, remember, this is Suella Bradman. This is a woman who's been saying that we can't mm. afford to have refugees and asylum seekers in this country and they're only coming here for the benefits. Well, let's hope they don't all stand for Parliament, eh, Suella? Because then they really will be cashing in. Now, Anne-Marie says, under no circumstances should these MPs be able to flip their homes or claim for the running costs, especially more so during an energy crisis when millions are having to choose between eating or heating. No way should any of them be able to claim for their energy. They're the biggest benefit claimants. Now, Anne-Marie, I think you're, you're quite right in terms of claiming for their energy on the family home where they're raising their children. But... You know, if you if you if you've got to live in a different place, let's say not Hampshire and Hertfordshire, because she could commute it if she really wanted to. Let's say Cornwall or Wales or Leeds. Right. If you've got a second home in either London or Leeds because you're representing Leeds in London and that's where your day job is. I mean, it seems reasonable enough that a, a, a flat or something in one of those cities 
should be funded by the taxpayer because you've got to have it as a result of doing the job to some extent. And if uh, if you, they, they do so, they don't pay mortgage or mortgage interest payments or anything anymore, because that was something that happened in the expenses scandal. They do pay rent on a flat. But we've got an awful lot of MPs who own a second flat but aren't able to claim the mortgage interest on it. So have gone to rent a flat and are renting out their first one that they own for a profit and then again the taxpayer to pay the second one. This kind of stuff is a bit it's a bit smelly, I think. Now David says because she's going, hopefully, to stop the migrant invasion, the press are now trying to discredit her. Check out if any Labour MP claimed for household bills. David, as you've just said, lots of MPs claim for household bills. That is part of the rules. What is not part of the rules necessarily is flipping your home designation in order to keep claiming the same bills in different properties, even when you are living with your family in the one that the taxpayer's funding. That's sort of the issue. But Jess, um, you know, there are going to be other MPs of other parties as well, aren't they, doing the same thing? Yeah, I mean, there are going to be. I understand completely. I mean, people might say, oh, this is your... This is this is where these big issues like this, they tend to get away with things because it comes down to people going, oh, you're just going after the Tories, you're just going after Labour, you're just going after Lib Dem, whoever it is that they happen to support that, you know, they think that we're not. Uh, it's... it's it, uh, Look at the core issue. It doesn't really matter what party they are. This is a politician who is in a high-paid, high-profile job. She has flipped the designation of the second home. She, The second home is where her children and her husband live, which I think everybody, common sense, that is not your second home. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's... It's, it is what I said, it's the sheer nerve, it's the brazenness of it, it's the kind of two fingers up to the, uh, to the normal working person, I can do this kind of attitude because it is technically legal, but it's, it, it's, it's the effect it has on people, because... Mm. I sit and look at that and it just makes me so cross. And I don't care what party they're from. We could be talking about a Labour person doing this. If Labour were in power and it was a Labour Home Secretary doing this, I would be saying exactly the same. Or the Green Party or the Lib Dems. It's the fact that people are having this kind of... It's almost like rubbing the salt in the wound don't care about the little people, don't care about the normal person on the street who at the end of the month see how much of their tax goes to pay for public services and we know those public services aren't getting properly funded and yet there's people there taking the mick with what they can claim, getting away with it, going around the rules, you know, all of this sort of stuff. People that, it, it's just like, it's like saying, oh, well, we can do it and you guys can't, but never mind. It's it's not nice. It is a slap in the face for normal British public. And mm. that's why we are cross about it. Yes. And remember, it's, it may well be that some people want to criticise the reason the Mirror might have done this about a Conservative Home Secretary. I don't recall anybody criticising the Telegraph for doing it about 
uh, many Labour MPs in 2009 saying that was politically motivated. Um, and I don't recall anyone having a problem with them going after some cabinet ministers as well about expenses claims at the time. And it's worth pointing out, so I think it was David, that although um, this MP is of one particular party, the taxpayer that is funding her energy bills at her family home come from voters of all walks of life. Mm. Labour and Tory voters alike are funding her energy bills at her family home. If you're all right with that, then do get back into the comments and let us know that you're all right with that. It does seem a bit much for it to be happening at the family home. It should be the constituency home, in which case we wouldn't have a story. We wouldn't be able to criticise her for this. We'd have to find something else, wouldn't we? I wonder what on earth we could do. Now, uh, keep asking your questions, everybody. What do you think about Suella flipping her home like this? Um, do you think that there are other issues which are more important? Do you think this is something which perhaps other MPs are going to be found guilty of as well? Because um, we've got a former watchdog, parliamentary watchdog, Alistair Graham in the paper, who says it looks like an attempt to game the rules. He's saying here it looks like they've obviously tried they've stayed within the rules. But it looks like it doesn't look good. It looks. Do you think he's right there, Jess? I think I'm asking a leading question, but uh... I, I, I do, I do, and I I saw his his comments on this. Uh, it is 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 an attempt to, uh, yeah, is an attempt to get make the rules work the hardest they possibly can for you, and uh, I'm sure we've you know. We've all been there, but not with the taxpayers' money. Um, <laughs> there's bending the rules, um, and then there's it, 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 yeah, fine. It's within the rules. It's just it's just not really within the morality of the rules, is well, it? The morality is what we're talking about here to a large mm. extent. So now, as there's in the paper, there is a source close to Miss Bradman. She's offered no official comment, but a source close who mm. is. Mm trying to defend it on her behalf, says this is completely private matter. <clears throat> no, it isn't. It's being publicly paid, mate, and your stuff. Yeah. Um, but confirmed that she paid no rent on her parents' place. So she has no costs in the constituency, if you like. And the source added that because she could be claiming rent of up to £17,000 a year, she was, in actual fact, saving the taxpayer money by merely claiming £5,000 a year on the marital home's energy bills. But the fact of the matter is, Jess, that if that's the case, why not claim those energy bills in Hampshire rather than Hertfordshire, where she and her husband share that moral responsibility for running and keeping warm their family home? We don't have that responsibility. It is not up to us to fund other people's family homes, especially <laughs> when they're on more than 80 grand a year starting <laughs> salary. Plus, she gets an additional about 70 grand, 67 grand on top of her 84 grand that she gets for being an MP from other uh, earnings per year. So, I mean, she's hardly on the breadline, is she? No. When you're looking at the poor nurses and the teachers who are out striking, who are living um, on a paycheck that leaves them very little at the end of the month after tax, which has gone to pay her energy bill, um, <laughs> it's it's... It's it's just it's just it's just galling. It's galling, actually, is what this is. And I'm not again. 
it is it doesn't matter what political party they're from i would say about whoever whoever was doing something like this it's galling it's very elitist kind of attitude of well i can do it i could get away with it to turn around and then say well it would cost me 17000 pounds in rent to stay at my parents home she she's not renting her own home there she's staying with her parents when she goes there that asks other questions i don't know how often she's there um well we've checked that out it's in the story. Her mileage claims show that she claimed for mileage to the constituency three nights a month. Although she says she was there more often and just didn't claim mileage. Three, I mean, three nights a month. Uh, anyone that's going to be charged £17,000 rent by their parents for three nights a month is either living in a castle when they go up there or uh, they've got some very stingy parents. Um, I mean, obviously, no one's going to get charged rent by their parents for three nights a month, one would think. So, no. I mean, it's a ridiculous argument in the first place, what she's trying to say. And again, it's just she's trying to make a mug of us. Exactly. Um, it's worth pointing out her salary as a minister and a home secretary is about 150 odd thousand pounds a year. All right. Mm. And that works out to about 12 and a half thousand pounds a month. Mm. Right. Yes. Three grand a week for her job, um, which is very high stress. And I don't deny her that she necessarily is paying that amount of money, but it's three grand a week, 12 and a half thousand pounds a month. She could, for that amount of money, I could run two or three homes. All right. Mm. Um, I certainly run one on significantly less than that. I could probably manage two, I'm sure, if I was on 12 grand a month. Uh, and the £5,000 energy bill that she's claimed, that's equivalent to £416 a month. Yeah. Now, if you've got 12 and a half grand a month, you can manage 400 quid. You can manage 100 quid a week. I mean, that is just, it's a tiny amount of money in terms of her family wealth. Her parents are wealthy, her husband's wealthy, she's wealthy independently. She can easily afford this. It's 100 quid a week. It's, Some of us would struggle, but she doesn't need to claim it. And she certainly doesn't need to flip it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, it, it, again, it's the look of this. It just stinks. It's just typical kind of... The, the brass neck of it mm. that we, we we are seeing so much. I mean, it does remind me of Partygate. It reminds me of that kind of sort of, you know, stuff you, uh, you know, you can't see your loved ones in hospital. We're dancing to ABBA and swinging, you know, because we've had a bad day. We've all had a bad day. You know, it's that kind of, it's that kind of mentality. And I think, I think the country's just had enough of it, Susie. I really do. And I think that's why stories like this, you know, do make an impact because you're just saying yet again, it's a kind of, well, I can do it, so I'm going to do it and stuff the rest of you kind of attitude that makes you just feel quite so incensed. Exactly. Now, Dawn says our benefits go up by a few pounds, but then it gets taken away and more by rising council tax and rent. Miss Suella needs to get her priorities right. Now, this is a government which has voted to stop the £20 a week uplift in universal credit. I don't know how Suella voted in that. I suspect she was in the lobbies for the government on that one. Um, and if they're taking 20 quid away in universal credit, I think surely she should manage 100 quid a week out of her own pocket for the energy bills really do um but anyway thank you for your your um 
comments, everybody. Just very quickly before we move on, Jess, where do you think, where do you smell that this story might be going next? I mean, obviously there's thought of looking into other MPs, but do you think there's any chance she might have an investigation, a parliamentary investigation into what she's been up to? She was been forced to resign before now, of course. You, you would hope. Uh, because of, like you said, the flipping element of this, um, and that has been a big issue before, um, you would hope. Really, uh, realistically, what do we expect? I, I don't know with this. I don't know with this current, uh, you know, government and current situation. Will will they take it further? Will she be able to style it out? They seem to have a particular knack of styling a lot of things out i mean look how many things that boris uh johnson sort of managed to get over before uh you know the final sort of push of him to go the uh, a stream of times when we all thought this might be it he's going to be under questioning for this or this is going to be and nothing ever really came to it until um after after Partygate, it was, you know, it, so I don't know. I, I think what would be nice to come of it is people to, you know, ask that question, is it fair? And people to look at look at themselves and think, actually, is this a good look for me to do this? Okay, I, I can do it. Should I do it? Mm. Those two things are very different and it's not a good look. Let's try and be a bit more in it together, as we all said during the pandemic, rather than a kind of an us and them between those who have access to this power, have access to this money, and the rest of us who are scrabbling by in this cost of living crisis. You know, it's hitting everyone hard. Um, it would just feel a little bit better to be able to look up see those in power and see that they're leading by example, uh, that we're all in this together trying to get through it rather than they're in it for themselves, trying to get as much money as possible out of the taxpayer. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> thank you for that, Jess. We'll have to sort of see how things go. I don't suppose. What do you think, everybody? What do you think Suella should do about this? What do you think ought to happen next? Um, obviously, her constituents are going to have the final say in a couple of years' time, but this might all have faded away by then. Mm. So what do you think should really happen now? Do you think there should be some kind of amnesty, perhaps, for MPs in which they declare what it is they've been up to and just decide to change their minds? Who knows? Let us know. But first off, we have found some good news in the world, and here it is. Now, the sudden death of Paul O'Grady last week sparks a nationwide sort of tear to the eye and lots of tributes to him. But it seems to have moved many people to donate as well to Battersea Dogs and Cats Home, where he filmed his much loved uh, For the Love of Dogs. For the Love of Dogs, sorry, TV series for many years, highlighting their fight to rehouse and save abandoned and mistreated animals. Now, we reported last week that the fund had reached 90 grand, but now it's hit 200 grand. Jess, you think this is proof that, um, you know, not only we're a nation of animal lovers, but O'Grady lovers as well? Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. I mean, it was it was shocking last week. And I, I mean, it, everyone was, you know, very shocked about it very sad about it. it he'd been a sort of 
big kingpin figure in showbiz for so many years, uh, since the 90s when, you know, Lily Savage. And we all remember, it's so funny. And when you look back at his sort of life and times in his career and the sort of the amount of sort of glass ceilings he broke through as well, mm-hmm. because we think, you know, now, now we're all quite used to, um, you know, sort of RuPaul's Drag Race and all sorts of stuff like that. But at the time when Lily Savage first came on the scene as a mainstream entertainer, getting Saturday night spots, you know, not so much. But you know, everyone sort of, you know, really fell for uh, her, Lily. And then when Paul, in sort of around two thousand and two, uh, sort of decided to be more Paul O'Grady and sort of retired Lily you know everyone loved him the stuff he's done with animals over the years it's been fantastic uh, he's always been a big supporter of the mirror as well if it has to go say he's always been a big pride of Britain supporter and our animal hero awards uh you know he's always attended them and been great on them so yes I mean we're in as a nation I think we've got a big fond uh, you know, space for Paul O'Grady. I think a lot of people uh, love Paul O'Grady and he's just been part of the sort of showbiz furniture for so long that I think it was one, it was very, very sad, and very, very tragic. He was still very young. He's only 67. Um, and it is so, so, so tragic. And, and you know, it's, it, I think, this sort of outpouring of generosity towards a cause which was so important to him. I mean, he loved his his dogs. He loved his animals. He had so many of them on his on his on his property. He had like pigs and goats and all sorts there, and he was so happy about it. I think it is a nice. It's lovely that the you know the nations giving their money and giving that donation to such a worthy cause. And I think it does say, look, you know, he is he is. I know it's a much coined term to say a national treasure, but he really is. When mm. you look at him, you look at his career. I did a lot last week, uh, you know, writing about his career. Uh, he's done some marvellous things. And and also, he, you know, he before in, in the early part, he'd done a lot of campaigning on LGBTQ uh, I write, um, you know, he lived through that whole stuff. He lost so many friends to during the awful AIDS epidemic. He talks so passionately about that. If you read through some of his autobiographies, um, he lost friends that people wouldn't go and see mm. them. All of that. And, and, and he's been through all of that. He's talked about that. He's campaigned on that. He's had such a massive career. And yet it still feels so 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 tragic that it was cut so short when he was you know he was on stage like a few days beforehand playing Miss Hannigan in mm-hmm. Anna and um you know loving that role he's talked about how much he loves playing Miss Hannigan because he can play it so evil and wicked like an old drunk you, you know he just loved that role so uh, it just seems it seems so sad for someone so full of life who's been such a staple for sort of British, yeah. and really, really appropriate that he got such big donations in his name after yeah. he died to Battersea. Although yeah. I did um, a story about Battersea many years ago, so I went walked around and said, "Is anything particular that you guys need that you need fundraising for or anything?" And the, the people who run the home said, "We don't need any money because we just we get left loads of money in people's wills. They always leave money to Battersea, so we're fine. But what we need is you know this, that, and the other kind of thing to happen. More people to be aware of this, that, and the thing. So they don't really need cash. Although it's lovely that they've." 
got a particular fund for Paul and hopefully use it for something that he would have liked too. But I think perhaps as well, if you've got a sort of a local sm smaller shelter that's struggling, an animal shelter, I'm sure that Paul would love it if you gave them a bit of love too, uh, rather than give all your money to Battersea maybe because it does have quite a big income already. I suppose probably post-pandemic, though, like everywhere is struggling. I, I think, you know, every charity... Yeah, they've all got energy bills to pay. ...post-pandemic, especially mm -hmm. in this current climate, like look at the bills that they're, they're going to have there, you know, and, and look at how many animals they're having to take in with everybody giving in their lockdown pets. Like, that, it, it, it is... a big problem for animal uh, charities at the moment trying to find the money and not close the doors and you know obviously if they do have to close the doors where are those animals going to have to go yeah. for all the animal shelters out there so I mean there's so many good causes at the moment that is one you know support your animal shelters so I think you know it doesn't matter how big they are they are all in need at the moment i think yes, is fair they are, like, definitely and of course they don't get help with their energy bills in the same way the home secretary no. does so it's worth uh giving giving your local animal shelter a five if you've got one knocking around all right jess thank you very much for taking us through all that thank you everyone for taking part we'll let you go now if you're listening on podcast please leave us a review so other people can find us but otherwise we will see you again on wednesday for another edition of the news agenda till then tatty bye